0: almost valentine's day romance nerds jackie and i really appreciate you making a date to join <laughs> us for this fine podcast today we are going to return the favor by getting into the start of dating oh Da-da-da, music Hey there, romance nerds! I'm Jen. And I'm Jackie. We're two librarians from Nopal in upstate New York, and you're listening to Raging Romantics. In this podcast, we like to think a little too deeply
1: about romance books. If you're into theory, history, and raging about Romancelandia, then you
0: should stick around. Please be advised that some of the things we talk about may not be suitable for younger listeners. Content warnings for episodes are available in the show notes. Jen, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right. Let's, Let's rage! rage!
1: Hey Jen. Hey Jackie. I have a joke for you, I'm, I'm, and you're gonna have to. You okay, ready? So, Come on. Okay. College student asked her roommate, "How was your blind date?" Terrible. The roommate answered, "He showed up in a 1932 Rolls Royce." Wow, that's a very expensive car. What's so bad about that? He was the original owner.
0: <gasps> Okay, I'll accept the change up of the, the layout I, for that. Well, that was like, really good. Yeah, you know. That was pretty good.
1: <laughs> Gotta mix it up every so often.
0: Well, okay, thank you for an actually good joke. I'm impressed. <laughs> and welcome to all of our romance nerds to our sort Woo. of Valentine's Day edition of Raging Romantics. Ay. We can't give you any candy, but we can give you wild facts and weird deep dives instead. Mm-hmm. Who said romance was dead? Not me. I know last time I said I was going to try to do something in the realm of dark romance to be a little cheeky about it being V-Day <laughs> soon, and I lied because, honestly, after listening to our last episodes about it, I just I can't think <laughs> of anything new to say about it yet. Yeah. I do have a whole spiel about stalker romance, but okay. I just, I can't think of a way to stretch that into an hour this time. Mm. So maybe one day. And you've yeah. heard that spiel anyway. It's not yeah. that inter- It's funny, but it's not I hear
1: it regularly.
0: <laughs> Which one? What spiel do you think I mean?
1: You always told me about dark romances. No,
0: no, but what's, the, no, my stalker one.
1: Well, maybe you haven't told me the stalker one. Okay.
0: So I feel like there is not enough stalker romances that are funny because if you think about it, you know, you've got like, oh, the stalker thinks that, you know, they're going to see their beloved in like the moonlight, being really feminine and cute and pretty. And in real life, when you're alone, you're disgusting. <laughs> Like, you were a monster when you were by yourself. I don't know why people can't acknowledge that in fiction. Yeah. That, okay, cool, the stalker is watching you while you're asleep. It's like, you've also had tacos for two hours at <laughs> night. Yeah,
1: and you are like, lactose intolerant and you didn't yeah, take like, your lactate you pill. Yeah, like,
0: people are disgusting. And I don't understand why <laughs> authors don't utilize that more often in these dark romances. It's not all cute and sweet. It's not... Edward Cullen, just like, no, okay, that was not cute and sweet. (laughs) So,
1: so yeah, no, that was not, it's just breathing.
0: So, one day that will be an hour long podcast, not today, because I just (laughs) that's all I got for it. So, I'm gonna think about it some more. Instead, today we are going to actually honor Valentine's Day for real by following up on my personal advertisements episode with what came next dating hey regardless or not if you were going out on valentine's day this year you can now say you booked a date with your two <gasps> favorite librarians But up oh yeah i know i'm so cute <laughs> but if for some reason you don't want to hang out with us well okay just fair. Crush my heart fine. It's fine but instead why not plan a romantic outing to your public library instead Hey. if i can be so bold consider checking out our sponsor Northern Onondaga Public Library whoop, whoop because forget all those cliche hallmark expressions of love chocolate or hearts or teddy bears free books and movies should really be the reason for the season so if you're new here you might not know that I covered personal ads on the podcast yes. a few months ago with a promise to cover traditional dating one day you don't really need to know much from that episode to understand this <laughs> one but I definitely recommend listening to it at some point just because the whole history is actually pretty interesting I had no idea that much went into it
1: is that the one we did the true crime Run, like we oh. went off on the true crime like <laughs> tangents
0: yeah we found out that that one uh black widow lady right was luring men to kill them with yeah the, the so persona. if you want to hear jen it's and i do
1: a true crime take
0: go just listen like to a that very one. very basic little one okay it was like
1: five minutes just worth like of five discussion
0: okay but out of a whole hour yeah just like a little bit it was mostly very cute and nice okay if you and you want jen show, and i to do a true a little crime bit of murder i don't know I we, we all like a little bit of murder every so often we just have to do it ethically You know, (laughs) not the murder, not the murder. I mean the murder. (laughs) Anyway, it was a very niche episode that got very out of control, (laughs) you as you can tell, purely because I just wanted to discuss it. And since I co-host a podcast, I have that power to do whatever I want during my episode. So (laughs) But I will be nice and give you guys the briefest of overviews so we can get started right at the beginning of dating. For thousands of years, marriage was not about love, but an economic contract to strengthen and protect families arranged by family members and matchmakers, yada, yada. Mm. Like, we, we all know this. Yeah. If we made up a timeline, the amount of time arranged marriage takes up would absolutely dwarf the itty-bitty little period we've gotten used to of courting and personal mm. ads and dating and, like, personal choice. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until the <laughs> 1700s that a sort of empowerment of the individual sentiment started to take place, where, among other rights won and societal changes, people wanted to start having some say in who their spouse would be, if not entirely pick them themselves, just because, hey, you know, I, I like this person, I would like this person, instead of, like... You know, the person who's going to make you the most money, Dad.
1: Like the person you're marrying? I know. It's wild. Madness. It's pretty
0: crazy when you think about it.
1: Absolute madness. So, courting
0: finally comes into practice, mostly among middle and rich classes where gentlemen callers interested in a young lady would come and visit her in her home, chaperoned by a family member or servant. They would have their opportunity to talk, to chit-chat, to play instruments, or have their cute little moments. And decide from there if they wanted to get married. Mm -hmm. Basically it. So Jackie, being the big history buff you are, how fun do you think it must have been to have talked to your gentleman caller (laughs) under the watchful eye of your mother... Probably being eavesdropped by your entire household and knowing every interaction you have with him will be discussed intensively after he leaves. Listen,
1: if all the Regency romance novels I have ever gone through and my own like, you know, personal experiences, mm. anything. No, not fun at all.
0: No, I think it would no. it's probably very no. much not fun. Yeah. I think yeah. that's the safest. I mean, if you
1: have like a fun mom.
0: Do you think yeah. there was that many fun moms in Regency? No. No, it's not Bridgerton. No. <laughs> so that sentiment plus changes in technology and societal norms allow for the invention of first personal ads. Where potential suitors advertise their spousal Desires in the newspaper Like very obvious And the focus of our episode today Is going on self-appointed activities Outside (sighs) of the home Very far away from any Overbearing family members I mean going out into public Yeah like where real people people? are I know and stuff and oxygen and things And trees I know I know, it's hard but it's much better than again Your mother listening to every word you say To your boyfriend Uh, Mm Mmm Yeah, but people, but your mother, but people, your mother's worse. So this might sound like an oxymoron, but for many people, the way to find privacy was to go out into the public. (laughs) Jackie, (laughs) consider that for some time there was this concept of doctrine of separate spheres where women stayed at home intended to house and hearth. Men went out to earn money for their families and some people would say that that was the norm for thousands of years, but if you consider how much of early life was based around farming and self-sustainability, that doesn't really hold up. The whole private sphere thing came about when husbands and fathers went out to make money for a job that would provide for the household. Housewives could take care of the home or go out to shop for the home, and young women could stay home until they were married. If we're still thinking about timelines, the whole period is just a blip, but some people hold it up like it was true for millions of years. Mm. So really, there's not a lot of privacy to be found in this private sphere. No. No. Not a lot of autonomy either, probably. No. So there is some overlap between personal ads and dating, but just because of increasing freedom in America for certain groups of people made these things possible to coexist. So we don't actually pick up in the 50s where I left off in the personal ads episode, but we are going to focus mainly on the 1900s to 1930s ish, where changing norms have broken through our private spheres and start allowing young women outside of the house. We're also going to be focusing on life in the Beaker American cities today, just because that's that's all the research I have. Like I did not yeah. look into dating anywhere else. I wasn't I don't really care about Europe. So
1: wildly different, like, like across all different yeah governments, even at that point. And it
0: seems like regardless, dating definitely happened in the cities just because you have that huge flux of new people. Yeah. And just a total uh differentiation from the way you grew up. It was such
1: a big period of immigration mm-hmm. in the United States that and even westward expansion too. Yep. So it doesn't surprise me that this was, you know
0: Yeah, thing. Like in the farm girls
1: were like, hey.
0: Not really I want the city boys. Yeah, not really rural Alabama. Yeah. So but starting in the eighteen eighties, young farm girls are leaving their homes in record numbers to try their luck in big cities. Large numbers of immigrants are making their way to America and just about everyone is looking for work. Mm. America is starting to become a consumer society, so there's new opportunities in factories making products or as the sales girls selling those products Mm. in big department stores. Mm -hmm.
1: I saw a really funny thing about carriages and carriages and the role that they played in mm-hmm. dating and courtship of course we're like now in the point yeah. of like cars and everything yeah. but there was this really funny note i saw that like carriages were the one chance that women really had for privacy and if you think funny. of all the carriage scenes <laughs> and romances yeah, that
0: makes a lot of sense no i didn't think of that because i started in the 1900s yeah
1: maybe cars are like the new carriage. well know. i mean they're literally the new carriages but okay
0: More women are getting hired to handle domestic tasks, especially women of color, where racism has kept them out of certain types of jobs. Mm. By 1900, more than half of American women are actually working outside of the home in some way, Mm. which is pretty impressive. It's definitely not what most people assume, I think. People's experiences are rapidly shifting from their small insular communities, where a few decades earlier they might have lived their entire lives with basically the same people and basically the same things to do, to now experiencing these much larger and different kinds of networks of people through work and play. Mm. So for a lot of people, their parents of courting or arranged marriage is just not going to work anymore. You either lack the family or community ties to meet people in the traditional sense. Mm. Or thanks to some of your newfound freedoms, you just don't want to do it. Yeah, that's true. I'm not trusting my mother to pick out my spouse anymore. I'm sorry. No. No. Also, there were so
1: many like new industries in the United States at this time, too, that there was this new rise of social class Mm -hmm. that they had to suddenly account for in the dating sphere. Yep.
0: Oh, that middle class is a big deal. Hey.
1: Those railroads, man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So according to Labor of Love by Maura Weagle, which is where I got the bulk of my research. And it's just a fascinating book. I'm going to talk about it a little bit. But Jackie, do you want to guess who were the first groups of people to notice, hey, something weird is going on with all these young people? I cheated and looked I at know, your thing. Okay.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Hang on, I'll make a guess. Okay. Um, I want to say older folks.
0: You know what? Actually, that is very close. Okay. Absolutely, definitely. All those you know older biddies are looking out their window, <laughs> like, "What are those kids doing? These young
1: whippersnappers." <laughs> but
0: more specifically, it's actually the police. And <laughs> in- <laughs> yeah, whoop whoop. In the 1900s, cops are starting to notice, you know, something really weird. Like there's all these pairs of young people <laughs> spending time together <laughs> out in the open. Getting dinner or drinks or dancing (sighs) without any chaperone present.
1: Clutch my faux pearls over here.
0: So their grand conclusion about what it meant (laughs) that all these young ladies were going out with all these strange men and letting them buy things for them in exchange for their time and company. uh, Obviously, it's prostitution. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of the first women to go on what we consider dates actually got arrested because the police thought they were participating in some kind of weird new sex work.
1: You know, I feel like I've heard about this in fashion history where they started wearing something specifically Mm. when they were on dates. I can't recall off the top of my head, but like something. The
0: bloomers? Or like the shorter sleeves.
1: It was short. Maybe it was short sleeves mm-hmm. or it had something to do with their stockings. Yeah. Like if they wore that, they knew maybe they knew they weren't. Maybe stockings. Yeah. Or like the ones with the lineup. The line. It was the seam. A little scene.
0: more like risque. Yeah. Because you can see the steam. Yeah. There's a lot of ways that we Like ca- signaling. Yeah. That we've caused the older generations to like wring their hands over yeah. the younger. Like what are they thinking? Yeah. yeah. No. And definitely bathing suits were a big reason. Yes. We got arrested. And you know, yeah. If you take your date on a trip to the beach and it's not a uh, panty looms.
1: I learned about bathing machines the other day. Here's like a fun little tangent for you talking about swimming and swimwear and scandals. Um so Victorian ladies, it was very common when you were swimming in Victorian times mm-hmm. and even like the early nineteen hundreds, you had those bathing huts. Yeah, it was like a little They were on wheels mm-hmm. and you would take the bathing hut into the water
0: and oh, like you and would just, swim in
1: the bathing so hut. Weird. Yeah.
0: Victorians, yeah. Weird. I do. <laughs> a lot going
1: Maybe on we there. should do like a whole Victorian episode because I, I can go off on tangents mm-hmm. about them it was beautiful
0: wow well luckily that is not what is <laughs> happening here because they're trying to get out of the house they're not bringing the house with them yes so just again let's let's bring it back to these poor okay. poor sad cops think about their perspective they're so
1: confused there's I no know, bathing houses anymore
0: at <laughs> nice young ladies courted home with their families present so you know what are these girls doing out here letting strange men buy them dinner right like, seriously would, that's what i still think i would love to know what those old-timey cops would think of, t- of tinder today <laughs> Like whenever people joke about, oh, this thing would make a Victorian child's head explode. Oh, yeah. Like usually I they're, those. they're ridiculous. But this, I think, would actually give them a heart attack. Mm. The idea of Tinder. But anyway, regardless of how they feel, they can't stop what's coming. In fact, whole industries starts springing up around couples dating. Restaurants, theaters, bars, amusement parks, penny mm. arcades, and more. They all open up as avenues for you to entertain your beloved. That's so
1: interesting, and I never thought about like amusement parks. In I didn't that either. Sense.
0: Yeah, but that's such a fun thing to go and take your date on. That's
1: why Ferris wheels are all two-seaters, exactly. And Except like all the big the, ones at the Ferris. and all
0: the cutesy ways you can get like your your little lady to cling to you at the <sighs> roller coaster, or hey, let's share some popcorn. Yeah. And, like there were definitely a lot of people who couldn't afford that stuff, and like went for walks in the park, or like free concerts, or or things to the museum, that kind of aspect. But there were just as many who were like, hey. Let me, like, really treat you. Let's go get some cotton yeah. candy at Coney Island. No, what you
1: should have talked about in your sports episode mm-hmm. when they do, like, the shooting and the baseball games at amusement oh, parks. Oh, you're right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a big way to impress your lady. Yeah, except mm-hmm. they're usually bad at it. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I was. I didn't even consider just the kind of of businesses that spring up from dating and yeah once you get outside of the house you're not courting anymore you need a place to go yeah that's true just thinking of all the the new businesses that you can't started. just go promenade mm-hmm. anymore and then from there all the jobs that open up from that because well who's gonna staff all these places like oh. it is a kind of a crazy ripple effect when you look at it interesting mm-hmm. So there are some ripples about how immoral the whole thing is. But honestly, these businesses just want to make money, so mm. they don't care. Yeah. Like, it's fine. Yeah. So date all you want. <laughs> Spend all the money you can. It just serves them if you never marry and just go on dates endlessly. Uh, they are not personally invested in you having a husband and babies, which ended up driving some commentators a little crazy, which was pretty <laughs> funny. Some of the articles from this period was were great. But, you know, uh, sorry to them. And you know what? To be fair, there are some... Uh, negotiations between the happy couple going on here. Mm. So some vice committees actually sent out investigators to see what was going on at some of these dens of, oh, of sin. dens of iniquity. Yeah, just like, you know, the little basic bar and it's, <laughs> ooh, it's scary. Not but, those flappers. <laughs> But they did report that women would ask for things like dinner, activities, experiences, cigarettes, whiskey, et cetera, et cetera, in order to even go out with their male date in the first place. Mm. So one person actually reported that a woman had tried to get her investigator. He was, you know, pretending to be like a date and, you know, he was really there undercover. Uh, she wanted him to pay her tab at the butcher's before she would go home with him, which is really. Funny. Hey. So you could see why the cops would get very up in arms about the whole thing. Here's here's a Valentine's
1: idea, fellas yes, Instead of buying your ladies flowers this year, buy them eggs.
0: <gasps> oh my god. Or even
1: better, chickens. <laughs>
0: No, I want the eggs. I don't want to take care of the chicken. Oh, but the chickens I so want
1: cute. the eggs for free without the chicken. This is true. Fire like three no. dozen eggs
0: instead of three dozen mm. roses. It's going to cost about the same Obviously, right now. Yeah. So. The eggs are way more useful than the dumb roses. <laughs> see, so in that time, yeah, I would have been asking for eggs if I was yes. this lady. So, okay, fine. I could see the cops getting very upset about mm. this whole thing. Whatever. Instead of just receiving money for sex work, they must have thought, oh, women are now trading physical goods for or experiences instead. Oh like, God. I get it. Like, in their tiny little brains, they needed to, to justify it. Right. There are actually articles from the time uh, where opinion writers were so hysterical that this dating thing <laughs> could turn into a slippery slope to women getting trafficked into white slavery and legitimate brothels. Like, it was a real concern.
1: I mean, we've all seen Taken. Mm-hmm, yeah. So. You know, it just
0: starts with dinner some cases gets- <laughs> it does.
1: <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's not a laughing matter, but no, in some cases, yeah. really.
0: Other men like John D. Rockefeller Jr., not the, not the first one, but, you know, his son, who I guess needed something to do. Yeah, you know. uh, he actually paid for vice reports that had all kinds of horror stories about young people dating. So, you know, if you decide to pick up Labor of Love Yourself, I have to tell you guys that the section of hand-wringing is just hilarious (laughs) of all these people who don't know what is going on with these couples on dates. And the author does a really good job of pointing out that, you know, some of these stories probably are just women trolling them. Like, maybe that woman really wanted her meat bill paid for, (laughs) or maybe she just read the guy as an investigator and wanted to make fun of him. Like I like both explanations personally.
1: You know, it's so funny because as much as things
0: change, things don't change at all. I mean, I think that's the thing I've learned most from doing this podcast aside from like all publishing changes are 9-11. Yeah. Like everything is circular and will come back around eventually at some point. Like nothing is new. Yeah. Which is great. And it's important to mention a lot of women who were arrested for dates absolutely did not consider themselves as prostitutes. Mm. This was not some sneaky way that they were getting stuff. They said, sure, you know, they took some food or treats or clothes or whatever, but they did not take money. Mm. And that was a very important distinction they all made to the cops after they were arrested or to investigators. Um... Especially once who felt like, you know, I don't make enough money to treat myself or have any kind of small pleasure. So, yeah, if this guy wants to buy me dinner, like, yeah. why shouldn't I let him? I'm not taking money for this. Because what is as old as time itself is that men have always made more money than women, even back then. That's basically when it got started. Same as today. You know, sad story. Yada, yada. Snaps for Jen. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I'm not going to entertain arguments about different pay for different work, blah, blah, blah. Because honestly, a lot of these old timey bosses are on record for saying, no, I definitely pay men more because they are supporting a family and they pay women less because, oh, they're just working for, you know, a little bit of spending money. They, Listener, they could you they hear my eyeballs help. roll? <laughs> they roll you know, pretty hard. They don't need the money. OK, that's for the, their husbands to do. And obviously they were paying women of color a lot less yeah. even than white women because, you know, racism. And because we still have issues with establishing domestic tasks as real work that needs to be compensated mm-hmm. properly. So they got paid even less. Yeah. So, you know, great. Dating is a thing now. You've got more choice in privacy. But women are barely earning enough to survive. You know, they don't have the money to pay their male suitors for treats back or for dinner. And they still need to get some way to make themselves look attractive enough to even get those dates so that they could get those free meals. And it's just like an endless circular thing.
1: Capitalism, baby.
0: Honestly, that's basically the point of the book and like dating in general. <laughs> and, you know, to me, it's interesting you say that because that was something I noted for myself that for for me, I still have this gut feeling of, of you know, stuff or dinner is OK. But don't think you could try to buy me with actual physical money. Mm. And I don't think that's something that's really gone away from the decades since. It's kind of a weird thing because I was thinking about it today. And it's like, what is really the difference between getting paid $100 for dinner, you know, they cover the bill, or being handed $100, like, in your hand? Yeah. Like there's obviously something there, but I just for me, I don't think I'm smart enough to figure out the difference maybe or I don't Mm. know. But I do think that we need to have um, some really interesting conversations around money and capitalism and dating that we should have someday probably not on this podcast because yeah. we can't be responsible for society's ills. Listen, totally.
1: economics was my worst <laughs> yeah, class I, I ever took, so don't ask me about that. But listen, that. I
0: just wanted to give you some uh, more stuff to keep you up at night when yeah. you can't sleep. But also, I think thing.
1: there is an interesting connection, just to go off on another tangent Please for a moment, because I know that. you love my tangents. I do love your tangents. Um, there is an interesting connection, because I was talking about this with somebody mm. the other day, about the guilt around money that yeah. we have in our society, society which is so ironic, mm. because we are such a capitalistic society mm. that values money so much.
0: So what do you mean by guilt? Like guilt of having or guilt of not guilt of
1: spending guilt Mm. of using guilt of accepting um and I think that a lot of that goes into classism Mm -hmm. and like what social class and economic status you were raised in there's a lot of guilt around your bank account and you know how much money you spend spending money on leisure items versus spending money on food Mm -hmm. or like necessities like that and yeah there is something interesting there because you know like you said, take me out on a date, buy me a $100 steak. Yeah. Like, thank you. That's mm-hmm. excellent. Cool, we had you. a great night. Mm-hmm. But to sit there and accept money, I mean, sugar babies, sugar daddies, sugar yeah. mommies are a thing. Um, but I think that for people who aren't used to that relationship, mm-hmm. it can be like a an expectation, maybe. an issue of expectation. Like, what, you, what do
0: you really think you're buying? It, yeah. Like, the steak, OK, you're buying me a steak. But like, what do you think the $100 is paying for? Yeah. You know, maybe that's something to do with it. Because you can't trust people.
1: <laughs> yeah. And let's talk about the elephant in the room just What's for a elephant? quick second. Sex. OK. Because I think that a lot of the expectation comes mm. into are you purchasing sex, which yeah. then does go into prostitution and the issues surrounding yeah. prostitution and like understanding and acceptance of sex work, which is a legitimate form yeah. of work. And it is the oldest work in the book. Right. Literally. Mm-hmm. It's like the oldest th- job out there.
0: I think I struggle with it sometimes because I don't want it to sound like I am judging sex workers or prostitution. Yeah. Like you have to do what you have to do. Yeah. But at the same time, there are some issues with men thinking they can buy you. Yeah. Like, this is just can people in general. Time. Yeah.
1: I mean, a lot of times it is men. It Don't is, get it me, me wrong. It's a, like a whole entitlement <laughs> thing. And there yeah.
0: is. I have read some really fascinating research into some of the harms of pornography and mm. things of like it increasing kind of men's entitlement. Yeah. So you're feeling like they're owed something or women in their lives, things like that. I. It's just. Again, it's interesting to me that the same conversations we had in the 1900s. And
1: for forever since. Forever. still circling. Yeah.
0: 2023. We haven't learned or solved anything. So yeah. that's great. But I, just reading the uh, the depictions of the women, I really did believe them. That it was like, you know, I don't consider myself a prostitute sex worker or whatever. I didn't see them as like just trying to get out of trouble. It really was like, no, all I did was accept a dinner. Yeah. That's it. Like, get me out of here. So. Hmm. But like we said, we can't solve any of society's ills because we are just two librarians. So we're going to get back to the main point. (laughs) As uh, My whole, you know, the whole thing I wanted to reflect on is, you know, as hopefully you can tell, this is a major shift in how people decide on their spouses that upset a lot of the older generation. Mm -hmm. Right. Labor of Love, I think, put it best when Maura Wiegel wrote that dating took courtship out of the private sphere and into public places. It transferred control over the process from the older generations Mm -hmm. to the younger generation, from the group to the individual and from women to men. That's a good point. I really like that stood out to me when I read that. And I think especially the women to men kind of got to me because up until that point, I was always like, oh, you're stuck at home. You don't have any choice. Like, it's all stuck. Like, I didn't see that there was some some little bit of like, well, your mother is really helping you through this. Like, they are coming to you your mother is kind of like the gatekeeper because they have to ask for her permission first and like your servant and you there is kind of there's there is a little power in calling it's not totally backward like not totally I don't know what adjective I want to find but it's not as bad as I think Hollywood movies have made it look maybe yeah I mean definitely there is a lot of awkwardness with the privacy thing and for me like my mother never will get to eavesdrop on me in that no. sense.
1: <laughs> but I mean, I mean, there is still matchmaking. Yeah. Obviously, there's still matchmakers in mm-hmm. today's world, and even in you know, they're they're all over the place. Especially with certain communities like the Hindu and yeah. the Jewish communities, do still heavily rely on matchmaking. Mm-hmm. But love matches are, I think, are much they're more still highly becoming regarded. really big. Yeah. yeah, no,
0: it's like like every single generation, it's more and more not love yeah. matches. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I just, I don't really know where I was going with that thought, but okay. I, I was thinking of like the women arranging matches mm-hmm. and the books I still read. Cause there's yep. a lot of, like a lot of the books that feature Indian characters, mm-hmm. um, do feature matchmaking and the matchmaking is usually always like some meddling mama as they would be called in the Bridgerton books Mm -hmm. meddling mama um and then I just read a really good one that's an Armenian book that comes out I think it comes came out January 31st so by the time you listen to this it's already out it's called sorry bro Mm -hmm. and the woman the main character breaks up with her very bad (laughs) exploit Mm-hmm. Like he was just a terrible boyfriend. And her mom is like, Okay, so now I can matchmake for oh, you. Nice. And like so she sits down with her mom and her sister and like arranges mm. her whole like dating portfolio.
0: I think for me it kind of stood out. Oh, you know, as great as dating kind of seems on the surface, sometimes. Sometimes.
1: <laughs> sometimes. There's
0: definitely some things that have been lost. Just yeah. thinking about okay. I guess I shouldn't think of it that way. Maybe I am setting myself up for failure by being like, Oh man, we really missed out when when men were coming to our houses and our living rooms and I'll
1: tell you what I feel like limbs. I missed
0: out yeah and that kind of a thing so maybe that's my <laughs> own prejudices or bias or something but just that line yeah When like okay so there is greatness of like individual but then yeah you know, maybe you lose a little power too especially considering how much work dating is oh my God. right but it takes a little bit But eventually, the older generation does calm down slightly about dating. Even strict parents kind of just assume that, you know, there's only so much trouble their children can get into in public. Mm. So it can't all be that bad. And children finally have some privacy to get to know their beloveds outside of their overbearing family presence. Marriage is still the ultimate goal for most people at this point. But, you know, couples are also enjoying having fun with each other, going out and spending some money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And having fun. And having a lot of fun. Some people. Yeah. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit now about how women are meeting their new suitors since, you know, they're not going through their mothers anymore. Hmm. Even though some things have changed about this bold new world, people are still meeting through friends, family, church, public places, you know, etc. The public places especially are important because you know what else all those fun places that are springing up for men to take their dates are? They're also becoming fun places to meet people. Enter the meet cute. Yay! Yay! So how cool would it have been to have met your husband in a speakeasy oh, in the 1920s? my god, right? I wish. Think about it. Yeah, way cooler oh. than just like, oh yeah. I sold and a bob with a fish farm. and pick out in Lake
1: Erie or something.
0: So I don't want to make it sound like it's changed that dramatically. But what has changed is women meeting men through certain types of work like waitressing, secretarial, hmm. and department store positions. Interesting. So... First, I think it's time for a quick break from our sponsors. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. The sponsors are us. (laughs) And Noble. So, before we dive deep into the next part of our episode, I think this is the perfect spot to share what we're reading. Hey, Jackie, what was the last book you just finished? Okay, so I am almost
1: done with it. I'm like 20 pages away from ending Ooh. it, and I love it so much. It's called Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia of Fairies. Oh,
0: that one. Okay. By
1: Heather Fawcett, and that's F A W C E T T. And it is just it straddles the line between regular fantasy and cozy fantasy. And Mm -hmm. it kind of leans more towards cozy. And there's just like this really light, perfect romance to it. Mm -hmm. And it's set in 1909 where the heroine is an academic from Cambridge university. And she goes to the North Atlantic and Island in the North Atlantic, um, like past Norway it's a made-up island mm-hmm. and she is researching fairies and she's creating an entire like compendium of all the fairies in the world mm-hmm. and she's been doing this for years like this is her magnum opus right mm-hmm. and so she gets up there and it's just her going through and experiencing like all these different fairies that live on the island things going wrong and there's a love interest who has an academic rival Ooh. who is just kind of like this affable rogue and mm-hmm. we all love an affable rogue all oh, the time always. and he is just kind of like there's, there's something about him I can't say because it's a spoiler, but he's just this kind of like he shows up. He's like, hello, I have brought two assistants and a teapot and a giant fur cloak. Where is the
0: fireplace? amazing Yeah, he's just he's great. I so love it. is it is it out yet? It is out. It is out officially. Yes. So can we get it at Noble?
1: You can. Oh, there's yes! a holds list, but you can go on hold for
0: it. Okay, good to know. Yes. So I am still in the middle of Labor of Love by Maura okay. Weigel. I just really enjoy it. I have really found myself kind of taking it slow and really kind of considering the the questions she poses and the new information she reveals. Like, it, like I've kind of said the whole episode, because this episode is mostly based off this book, yes. it is a deep dive into the history and evolution of dating in America. Mm. And not just the evolution in, in history, but it's also kind of how capitalism intersects with all of it. Because I don't think you could have dating without capitalism. No. You know, you just kind of have to have the whole progression of everything that we've had to get to this point. So it's a really fascinating book. It's not that thick either. It's not like heavy academic writing. It is pretty easy and really fascinating. And she does focus on everybody. So I've only focused kind of like on the first two decades just because I found the concept so fascinating. But she does have whole chapters on like how queer people have dated, Mm. uh, people of color, about just how things are different outside of. I mean a little bit it's really hard to get deeper into kind of how the lower class is dated because there just isn't as much documentation yeah. the way there is about the middle and the rich classes yeah. but you know she does her best and it's really fascinating unfortunately we do not have a copy at Nopal, but I was able to get a fairly decent copy thrift at thrift books, yeah. In of thrift books yeah we well, love thrift books i love thrift books and as always you can always go to a actual bookstore too and i'm sure it'll be there too it's a popular book yeah Um, a lot of people actually uh talked about it just in general so and hey here's
1: a little bonus ad if you're in the central Mm -hmm. new york area that is obviously not sponsored at all we have some great indie bookstores here in the area so if you're in syracuse check out the parthenon bookstore which is downtown on south salina street it is across from the landmark theater Mm -hmm. and actually on the same block as central downtown library so you know two in one hit central and then hit parthenon up and get some good books Mm -hmm. and we also have golden bee bookshop which is in liverpool and is just this super cute little local bookshop they have a great collection the owner is amazing and there are some self-curated goods there as well
0: beautiful Yes. So don't forget to check out your local library if you want to check out these titles for yourself, except for *Noble*, because I I don't have *Labor of Love*. I'm very sorry, but you might have it at your library, so definitely go check it out. And let's get right back down that rabbit hole. Thank you for that brief interruption, Jackie. Always super fun to know what you're reading. But now I want to spend some time talking about (gasps) *Sail Girls* specifically. Because well yes we have absolutely met our future spouses through work before and we will until society collapses and we don't have jobs anymore God please come soon <laughs> 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 Amen I mean I shouldn't joke about it I would die in the the apocalypse so you never can mind come live that. on the farm with me it's oh, fine thank you yeah you're okay welcome. I'll try to make myself useful I'll see you just have to deal I'll with s- the chickens that's you know what I, I get to eat the chicken <laughs> eggs I'll be fine with it but I do think something important is shifting for women who work behind the sales counter. In these department stores mm-hmm. that I do want to kind of talk to you a little bit in about in
1: the early twentieth century,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So we're still in the nineteen hundreds, nineteen thirties, roughly. Okay. Okay. So the first department store is believed to have been invented in the early nineteenth mm-hmm. century in Paris, which pretty much tracks with what we've been Complex. saying about you know the industrial revolution and progress and yada yada progress and mm-hmm. quotes. And the concept was brought over to Philly in 1875 when John Wanamaker filled it with a collection of specialty items from different brands. Mm. Fun facts from the Britannica. He apparently invented price tags. So, you know, good for him. I was kind of surprised nobody had done that before.
1: No, purses on him. Because then we know the price. Uh. (laughs) And like, because then you can barter if you don't know the price. That's true. Also, I want to talk about made up last names. Oh, Wanamaker. Wanamaker. I
0: checked twice. That's apparently a real name. Okay. I don't know from where. I can't I don't know. Want to make her? Want to make I don't know. Want to make her <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, no, that was good, I liked that, but I do want to make more department stores, okay, okay right, because they start springing up all over the country in big cities, mm-hmm. of course, it's kind of the blueprint by offering all sorts of items ready made clothing, household goods, beauty products, furniture, yada, 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 just like everything under one roof with all types of specialty services offered, mm-hmm. it ends up really changing the way people shopped and worked. What sort of specialty services are you talking about so things like gift wrapping oh okay things like advisory tailoring tailoring um Having like an advisor there to shop and give you, oh okay, like of, personal shopper. Yeah, so okay. there's like, like kind of these little things we're sort of used to. Uh, people to carry your packages. That's you know, a people just store things. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good
1: point because, of course, we were just talking about class and, like, um, different social spheres and, of course, mm-hmm. butlers yeah. and, like, um, not hand handmaids, not handmaids. Yep. What were they called? <laughs> Ladies' maids. <laughs> Sorry, we aren't medieval this time. Mm-hmm. Ladies' maids, like, became less and less of a thing as the 20th century yep. goes on. And so now you find these same services mm-hmm. in department stores. Exactly. So you, rich people still need somebody to carry their stuff. Fun fact about buttons and zippers, the reason that men's buttons and women's buttons Mm -hmm. go from different sides is because men um, usually did their own buttons up, Mm -hmm. while ladies had ladies' maids who would do their Mm -hmm. buttons up for them. Oh, cool. There's your fact of why when you put on your um, male partner's jacket, the zipper is on the wrong side. It's
0: annoying. so annoying. And the buttons,
1: and you're like, I I
0: can't do this. (laughs) But it kind of helped that all of these specialty services and kind of the, all these extra items under one roof in one place, it made rich and middle class people get to shop more yeah. because it was much more convenient. It was Drive easier. that economy. It was attractive. You know, you had help there, which like Jackie said, was a really big deal. And there's new things to buy. Yeah. Which let's not forget, like there's lots of new things you don't need. Yeah. Of all this consumable cash, you know, go and spend like crazy. The middle class was also starting to grow in general because, hey, great! It's easier for us to make products, but now you actually need someone to go and buy those products.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and that's kind of what turns us into a consumer society where now you know we're making our own stuff less. We're less uh, sustainable because we we just go out and buy all their shoes and our coats and our bags and our whatevers. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of making it ourselves. Yeah, but. I guess on the flip side, it does create lots of new jobs and all sorts of services, but especially for the sales girl Mm -hmm. or the young woman who worked behind the counter and was actually kind of the face or the the front point in selling all kinds of goods like perfume, beauty, jewelry, and so on and so forth. Gloves like anything you could imagine, really. The perfume girl. Exactly. Mm -hmm. She might also give advice or knowledge on what to buy because she was expected to just know her inventory. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh, know who to upsell to yeah. was another really big thing, like who's actually rich. Because yeah. there were a lot of pretenders. So it was common knowledge at the time that a lot of the women who worked as sales girls hoped to use her position to snag a wealthier man. Also, acceptable, any eligible man, basically. Working for a department store especially, though, put her on display in a public, acceptable way, Mm. which is a really important thing. It gave her access to men she might not have been able to meet otherwise. Even a decade ago, it would have been impossible for a woman not in the upper classes to have access to a millionaire. But here, it's literally in her job description to talk to him and be as bright and charming as possible in order to convince him to buy more things. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Because, of
1: course, again, maids did yeah. have access to millionaires but, like, and wealthy, they but they were maids and they yeah. weren't expected. <laughs> and if they did have affairs, it was, of course, like poo pooed on and like mm-hmm. she was sullied. And
0: you know, the whole power dynamics. Like yeah. how much was even.
1: And now behind the counter, you have more of a power dynamic because mm-hmm. there's like this social interchange yeah. that's going on. And while you're not the same class as mm-hmm. he might be, you are at least expected to have knowledge, like exactly. you were saying, and like some sort of outward. Um, expression mm-hmm. of that knowledge of class mm-hmm.
0: that's a good point I try really hard look at this so i couldn't find actual numbers or stats to see how likely this was actually to happen but i don't think that's the important thing here what's important is that all the sales girls had a friend or heard a story <laughs> about a friend's sister's cousin who married the handsome billionaire she met mm-hmm. at the glove counter Right. Mm-hmm. I don't want to call this whole thing a legend, but it's definitely a fantasy for a lot of women.
1: It's an urban legend.
0: Basically. <laughs> it's a Sasquatch of the uh, 1920s. I, I, <laughs> I mean, this was more likely probably than Sasquatch. Yeah. But I literally have no idea how often this actually happened where a rich man married poor women. I know, like, you hear stories and that yeah. must have happened a little bit. But at least in my understanding, I can't believe that there's that many rich mamas that, again, would let their right. rich sons actually marry the counter girl. Right. So I do kind of think it was one of those stories that circles around and is a reason to go and work there. I, I did look it up, though. Apparently, there were only 5,000 millionaires in the U.S. Yes. in the 1900s. So again, I just don't think statistically this is super likely, but that's not really the important part. I just wanted to mention that because I get a fantasy. I totally understand like, wanting to do it. I did a whole billionaire episode. <laughs> like, I get it. I was
1: trying to remember. Um, there was... um. Uh, one of the first millionaires, he married uh, like a like a servant girl. Oh, really? Okay. Was it
0: was it Rockefeller? Maybe. Well, I don't think he was the first millionaire, though. Was he? Wasn't okay, it like pause. a like a Getty? No, um, not Getty. It was
1: Vanderbilt, Cornelius Vanderbilt.
0: But th- I think that was definitely the exception. Yeah. Personally, I mean, it might be a little different with secretaries and bosses because mm. I could see you have more interaction as opposed to, hey, this girl really knows a lot about cologne and she's pretty. Yeah that could just be my cynical side so if you guys have any knowledge about uh the inner social class marriages of the early 1900s well, yeah you know, please I, tell us but I just could not find any specific numbers because I don't think they kept data like that yeah. all we can all we can really yeah. talk about is stereotypes that we know of now yeah and it does feel like something that people have constantly wanted I mean that's kind of the Cinderella method this yeah. you know getting to jump social yeah. classes that it is sense. that urban legend exactly so maybe I could have called it an urban legend <laughs> and you know I know I'm, I'm kind of poop on the whole like oh they can't actually meet a millionaire this is a little silly of them but you know to their credit they did meet a ton of single probably Probably very respectable men uh, but the idea that they could climb up socially this way it did influence how they acted at work mm. of kind of the hope of like oh i could be a rich man's wife this is very true so this was one of the first times in history it was actually possible to dress above your station mm-hmm. clothes are becoming cheaper and they are much more stylish so the sale girls actually could outfit themselves like the millionaire's wife they were dreaming of becoming mm-hmm. it was much easier it was another change to the calling days where women were encouraged to dress modestly and plainly so their suitors could focus on their mm. soul Hmm. Like the soles in their body, not the soles of their feet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 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 no feet stuff, (laughs) please. Beauty products are now becoming more accessible, too. The Victorians might have liked a natural face to show off their uh, good health, and they judged women who did heavy, elaborate makeup as actresses or sex workers, but women in the 1900s did not agree. Making your face up was seen as not only a way to make yourself prettier, but to signal to your boss that you had a positive, cooperative attitude. Like, yeah. see what I'm doing for you? Look at all the stuff I'm putting in my face. Thanks again to, to those flappers. Yeah, thanks, flappers. So there is more of your hard-earned money, though, spent on makeup and beauty supplies. Yeah. Like, this all is, goes hand-in-hand together, Not to mention, like,
1: personal grooming.
0: Yeah, bosses in particular were concerned about the look of their sales girls, mm. just like you said. Some departments actually had rules about how you should take care of your hands, your hair, your face, your clothes. There was this one story in the book where she actually had a regulation 100 strokes with a oh. certain type of brush of her hair. And then she had to go home and, like, fix her manicure. Yeah. You know, to make sure that her hands looked really nice when she was handling the product. Well, that's
1: there's – isn't there, like, a, leg- again, a legend about the Chanel stores in Paris mm. and the Hermes stores still, like, being, like – no, you have to look this way. And you have to wear this color of nail polish mm. and like this specific lipstick shade. Oh, yeah. Shade. I mean, there's still
0: a lot of places that have these kind of rules. I remember, too, in France, they got in trouble because they wanted to require women to wear high heels to work.
1: Well, it's like in what? Missouri right now mm. where women have to wear dresses in state oh, office. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. They wanted to
0: ban. I think they were. You were allowed to wear suits, but they were really fixated on shoulders. Right. You couldn't wear
1: short sleeves. That's what it was. And I feel like pants. There's something with pants.
0: Maybe a certain kind of pants. Yeah. I think it has to be like a fancy yeah. slack.
1: Oh, that's true. Yeah. Something like
0: that. But of course, it's just directed at women. It's very stupid. Maybe, hopefully, by the time this
1: episode comes out, that'll be overturned. I don't know.
0: It's just so stupid. Who cares about shoulders? I don't, I've never understood the shoulder thing. Can I just go on this tangent myself? Yes, please go off the tangent. What is so attractive about a shoulder that you have to, like, be really concerned about covering it up?
1: Honestly, it's the bra straps. Really? Yeah, that's that's why.
0: But, like, you could just have this part.
1: I know. And currently there is – so here's a fun little fashion thing for yeah, you. There please. is currently a revolution going on against bras. Right. Because well, more and more women are, like, anti-bras. Yeah, especially or, after COVID. But, like, um, so when bras – brasiers mm-hmm. first really started coming out in, like, the 1930s yeah. were, like, the big thing after the corset, Um, it was seen as a symbol of, you know, they were lingerie. And so if you saw the bra strap, you knew what kind of lingerie they were wearing. God. And so by seeing the bra strap, by seeing the shoulder, you knew that they were wearing brasier
0: you know they the weren't tatas. Wear, but you know, if they weren't wearing bras, they would still have things to complain about because exactly. like you're sagging. Exactly. So like, just shut up and deal with it. Yeah. Why is this such an, an offensive thing? I'm not going to start. Sorry. No, I'm not it's OK. I'm it's just okay. like, Ugh! but anyway, point being, one person, I don't, I want to say I liked her, but I liked this quote. She said, Susanna Crawford was a beauty and health. And kind of like a lifestyle author at the time. She, I really liked it when she said, you know what, beauty is no longer vanity, it is mm. use. Which I thought. I like that. Yeah. I mean, I hate that it's right, but honestly, I yeah. mean, because
1: like when I put on
0: like. I
1: wear makeup like on a normal daily basis to work mainly because I have giant bags under my eyes but whatever that's neither here nor there like if I go an extra step like mm-hmm. if I put on like winged eyeliner or like a certain shade of lipstick I'm like this is my war paint mm-hmm. this is my I am doing this because I need confidence or yeah. because I feel like vicious mm-hmm. today so yeah I like that
0: that's it's sure. useful See and for me That's not how I read it Because I don't wear makeup Yeah To me it was like You know you use what you got Yeah no And you know? I think in
1: this case She meant it's like Out of yeah. use for like, but, like snagging That's, that's
0: true Because it's like of, of use however you need it Yeah it's exactly Because when I was thinking again Like Victorians Because we base so much stuff off them yeah. Where again they're like No you can only be natural looking This is disgusting What are you doing And then, I mean also back are, then There was arsenic And yeah. you know
1: mercury I mean, In very, the it was makeup very... <laughs> And lead <laughs>
0: yeah, I know it was a good idea Not to use makeup Yeah But just kind of These shifting ideals And here we are Clearly making Moving away from our or from our older ideals of character and morals, and now it's no. If you got a good face, use it. Yeah, you know, it's not anything bad. It's uh, it's not vanity. Maybe it is vanity, but it's an acceptable vanity. It's an acceptable sin.
1: Again, it's so cyclical because mm-hmm. it's like this was what it was like during the French Revolution with makeup yeah. and perfume too. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Anyways, things never change. They never do. We just rediscover stuff and act like it's something special. Yeah. All those like. Core fashion styles that are going around right now,
1: like witchy core, cottage Mm. core. Those are all just harkening back to like,
0: yeah, back to the nineteen nineties or whatever. Nineteen hundreds women might feel more comfortable now with cottage core.
1: (laughs) Hey, hobbit core! I am all for. Give me the apron and the skirt and the bread, and we're good to go.
0: Well, just like us being concerned with our looks, so were sales girls. Okay, <laughs> so they had to be concerned with their looks and their appearance in a way they didn't have to back on the farm. Mm-hmm. But now, not only do they have to be cute, they also have to express personality <gasps> and what they like in ways their parents did not have to care about when they got married. Yeah. So, yay. One of the benefits, or you know, maybe disadvantages, of this new dating world is that it's now important to your date about what your personality is like and what you like. To be as blunt as Mora again, because I really like the sentence. Again, I don't mean to quote her so much, but I was just hey, like, you know, she's good. I had like yeah. a lot of like mind-blowing things, yeah. So for most of human history, the idea that a preference for one consumer product over another could serve as a predictor of romantic compatibility between two people would have not made any sense. Hmm. Which I found pretty blunt. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that struck me just when I remember back to all my friends being really upset that, like, their date hadn't liked the same music or yeah. Movies. Did you see that viral clip of the guy and the girl on kind of, like, a blind date with the button in front of them, and they were supposed to hit the button as soon as they said something that they didn't like? And yeah. it was, like, the, the girl did not like Marvel, and he immediately was, like, slam, and he's like, I just can't do it. I can't be with somebody who does not like Marvel. And meanwhile, she's gorgeous. And, like... That is the reason you don't want her is because she doesn't watch Marvel. She doesn't like your cartoon movies. Listen, I'm picky, but
1: (laughs) there's like... Okay, so you don't like Marvel, so why? Yeah, what? so what?
0: Like, just some of the standards I think people have kind of set themselves to. And, like, That's when you think about dating profiles now, how many men have, like, the stupid fish actors? They're like, thing? all the
1: prompts that there's... Yeah. Like, so Hinge has prompts that you have to mm-hmm. fill out. And, like, they're supposed to signal, like, yep. communities that you're in. Yep. That's something that we're really, like, as a society we're into right now is what community you're in. Mm-hmm. So, like, I am part of the book community. I am part of the horse community. I'm part of the crazy chicken lady <laughs> community. And, like, so... For me, like, if a guy doesn't like chickens or if he Mm -hmm. doesn't know how to drive a tractor, I'm like, well, you're out. But, yeah, to draw it to, like, a consumer parallel.
0: Mm -hmm. (sighs) But it's true. I thought it was pretty blunt and pretty, like, oh, God, she's right. Like, we really do base so much stupid stuff off whether or not we're going to like somebody.
1: Yeah, versus, like... She doesn't have measles and will survive yeah. past 25. It's just like
0: your your values. Like, there's certain things. Like, I, I know in my parents' generation, they would think it's unthinkable that I would be this fixated on, like, my political beliefs to, to pick who I want to date or be no. friends with. But it's like, I think that's that shows the foundation of what you believe in.
1: Yeah. And it's, again, it's signaling yeah. your values mm-hmm. and who you are as a person and what you hope for the future as yeah. well.
0: I think the values... That is something I'm sad has been lost. It does feel like values have taken a back burner to like, oh, well, I really like Coldplay. I really like Marvel. And I partly get it. Like, I would be kind of sad if the person I was with did not like Meatloaf. But like, oh, I'd get over meatloaf. it. Yeah. I love Meatloaf Wait, Meatloaf, meatloaf so loaf much. the band
1: or Meatloaf the food? No, the band. Oh, I was talking about food.
0: No, I don't want to eat the food. You don't like Meatloaf? No. I can't eat my favorite artist. But you slather it in ketchup. Anyways. <laughs> I anyways, like ketchup. Well,
1: here's mine and Jen's drawn in the sand. <laughs> sadly i don't think it's gonna work out jen i'm sorry well listen
0: if i am gonna defend you know all of our, our petty shallowness at all i will argue that it is still a major red flag if someone's favorite movie is human centipede yeah yeah it's a that's... tiktok joke too you should have been proud of i'm me. not on that side of tiktok Ugh, lame but no definitely if somebody is is like oh i love human centipede or fight club i think
1: I like logan paul sign. yeah
0: get out of there <laughs> right so, okay, we have clearly discussed about whether or not it's a good idea of dating, but it has become an important facet of dating, whether we like it or not. Mm. Because without those more common foundations of family, friends, class, whatever, you need to figure out something else to talk about when you're out. Yeah. You don't want to just stare at them Talking in silence. Is so it's hard. Weird. Yeah. And for most people, they like to talk about what we like. Case in point, Jackie and I have created a whole <laughs> podcast around the stuff we like. It's like we've just been having a long-form
1: date this <laughs> entire time. <laughs> you are... Down, Jen, Jackie. I know that's not a ship that's gonna sail. Sorry, for I can't folks. even make a ship name. She doesn't like meatloaf. The sh- food,
0: Jackie. I can't even. There's like no ship name. Jackafer. <laughs> if we do my whole, I'm not getting off two track. I'm not. I'm not getting off the path. Jackie. So. <laughs> Anyway, for these poor sale girls who we are neglecting, not only was it important to be good at their jobs, you know, of course, and look nice, they also had to consider what messages they were sending to the customers. Subliminal messages. The better they participated in this idea of likability, attractiveness, availability, the more fashion and lifestyle mm-hmm. items she was able to sell. Mm-hmm. But she had to consume those very things herself in order to <sighs> be the kind of sale girl that would sell that culture. It is just a snake eating itself. It is Capitalism, It is unending like yeah yep. yeah yeah there's no way to escape this cycle you can't it's you're stuck in it till yeah. you die yep. so personality was another important aspect of themselves sale girls had to evaluate about themselves so today we might define personality as the combination of characteristics and qualities that form an individual's distinctive character cool mm. but back in the early 1900s though it was more about something that manifested on the surface so how you appear and relate to people other people defined it in terms of charisma Sorry, I just saw Eleanor Glenn I know, and I got really excited. I told you, I told you, She was mentioned, yeah. And a throwback to one of our favorite ladies, <gasps> Eleanor Glynn. I love her! Oh, She's so cool. Who was one of the first ones to define personality or charisma as having this... It. it. Thank you. You know what it is when you've got it. Yeah. This is implied to be something you're born with, but plenty of books on the market from 1910 to 1930 did try to teach you. I find
1: it so interesting, too, though, that we're talking about Eleanor Glynn, the queen. Yes.
0: Um like
1: cuz during this time Hollywood was having a major revival. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have an interview with author Hillary Hallett that comes out next week as a minisode oh, cool. and we'll talk about that more at the end. Um but in, like during this time Hollywood revival and how popular these Hollywood women were getting and how mm-hmm. like likeable and obtainable and, and unobtainable and sexy they were getting. Um and how much that could have influenced, you know, sales girls and what they were trying to reflect in the idea again of it. Yeah. Because these Hollywood, like Clara Bow, Mm -hmm. they were it. They had everything that these girls wanted to be. They actually
0: talk about Clara Bow in the the book and, like, exactly the quality she was striving to have so she could be the it girl and what sales girls were expected to have so they could sell a lot of stuff. Carry on. So they very closely studied their customers and their co-workers to establish the best ways to present mm. themselves. So suddenly their strategies women are expected to employ if they want to make a sale or get a man. Before dating, the last thing you wanted to do was work to win a husband. Now it is very much expected. <sighs> that so sucks. I hate to keep quoting Myra like this is the last time. <laughs> but I loved this line, too, where she said, The shop girl pioneered the practice of activating sexual desire in order to make consumers want to buy Mm. anything and everything, whether or not a product has anything to do with sex. Madmen. So I did really want to focus a lot on shop girls first, just because the whole chapter was really interesting. But I also felt like it answered some questions I'd had about this whole concept of where sex selling comes from and (sighs) how pervasive it's all immediately become like immediately because this stuff has only been. A little over 100 years old. Yeah, because originally we were actually
1: selling sex. And now it's you're selling the idea of sexy and what Mm -hmm. it could epitomize and like how you could become Mm -hmm. the next big thing, the next it through this idea of sexy. Mm -hmm. So everything had to be this attractive quality. I think this is where we get a lot of that modern aesthetic that a lot of people are striving towards is this idea of attractiveness through your display of Mm esthetic
0: And it all happened because of capitalism in the early nineteen so hundreds. Thanks, guys. Boo. Cool. So I hope you guys enjoyed that little piece about shop girls. I know it seems a little niche and, and very deep divey, but you know, I don't care because it's my episode. Hey,
1: we like deep that's dives. That's really what I
0: wanted to focus on. So I would love Aww. to come back and revisit this book because there is still a lot I want to say about dating, but that is basically the foundation. Mm. So this is something you can come back to when you're kind of wondering, you know, like where do we go from here? Where this is where it started. Yeah. So I like it. There you go. Job. That was a little bit of something and uh, something fun to think about on Valentine's Day. Yeah. There you goes, guys. I hope you guys don't get arrested.
1: Yeah. Um, so don't forget to tune in next week after this comes out for, like I said, I have an interview with Hilary Hallett, who wrote the book Inventing the It Girl, which is all about our favorite idol, Eleanor Glynn. Um, and then after that, I am going to be doing another history episode. Woo! Nobody's surprised. So.
0: Cool. Cool. Yeah. It's beautiful. That's all I got. Okay. Well- Thank you guys so much for indulging us. And we wish you a happy and safe Valentine's Day.
1: And Galentine's Day.
0: Valentine's Day. Yeah. Don't forget your friends during all this, by the way. Friends are way cooler than boyfriends.
1: And if all you want to do is curl up on the couch with some, you know, if you like chocolate, some chocolate or whatever floats your boat and just have a you time your own valentine
0: i mean i'm going to memoir book club on valentine's day oh that sucks i'm sorry
1: <laughs> <laughs> you are not reading a valentine's day book at all oh
0: we are reading hunger from oh. Roxane and gay so what book would you recommend
1: people to read on valentine's day jen
0: oh my god jackie that is an amazing question i know look at that so i'm gonna kind of go off the beaten path here and i'm gonna say instead of a specific book i think instead you guys need to read a specific author jennifer cruzi who for some stupid reason i don't think i've told you guys but how much i love jennifer cruzi you haven't i have read every single book she has ever written oh really at least three times i think oh that's awesome obsessed with them yeah uh, specifically, you should settle in on Valentine's Day night with Bet Me. Oh, that's a good one. Angus and the Hitman. Oh, yep, yep. And this is a little polarizing, but I really liked Crazy for You.
1: It's not as popular
0: as like faking it, which is also like excellent, but Crazy for You is really cute because she adopts a dog everybody tells her not to adopt. And she just goes so off the beating path, everybody's like, what are you talking about? <gasps> that's You're the one going... we
1: read for Book Club.
0: No, that no? one was. Was that going? Because we read The it's Hitman. Anyone but you. Okay. That was the dog. Oh, okay, She's got okay. a bunch of dogs. Jennifer Cruz okay. likes a good dog. <laughs> I me mean, obviously, but, dogs
1: are awesome. But
0: uh, that's just a little bit of the amazing things she does. But I would uh, at least start with those okay. and just settle yourself in with a beautiful night with another yeah. amazing Jennifer.
1: Yeah, there you go. Jennifer <laughs> is a great name.
0: <laughs> and I mean, not the niffer part, but the Jen's.
1: <laughs> well, I would like to recommend another one of mine and Jen's favorite authors, Tessa Dare, hey! who writes historicals. And for some reason, her book next like book has been delayed for forever so I really want to know what's going on there but the book I specifically recommend is book three in the castles ever after series when a Scott ties the knot might be like my favorite historical romance ever and it's perfect for like a dating episode because the main heroine does not want to get married she does not want to like go out courting or anything like that so she invents a suitor and she starts (laughs) writing letters to this suitor and mails out these letters and she pretends he's like in a Scottish regiment And he's at war Because it's during The Napoleonic Wars And then And then I got so excited I (laughs) hiccuped And then she fakes his death, mm. and she like sends That's herself amazing. a letter that he died. Mm. Except, psych, because a couple of years later, you know, when she's firmly off the market because she's a mourning Spencer who lost her one true love, so sad. a Scottish general shows up <laughs> with all of the letters, and he like she made this name up, and he actually existed. And he's like, "Well, now you're my fiance." That was a really bad accent, <laughs> but like, it is so good. And it's, it's really catfishing good. and mm-hmm. fake dating, and oh my god, I love it so much. And Tessa Dare is just hilarious and like heartwarming. So so same good. time i don't
0: know if we can call her a queen because she hasn't been around <sighs> long enough but That's definitely true. like a duchess of regency yes duchess of regency so i like good. That. yeah like, i got to, i told you guys like a thousand times i got to meet her and she's just <sighs> so nice in real life i she's think so i'm great. gonna go home and reread that book tonight actually mm-hmm. because yes i own it because it's awesome and definitely on valentine's day yeah because obviously we're gonna be so busy yeah you know with my book club so
1: i'm gonna go home and <laughs> Read a book and crochet. Amazing. Because I'm an old lady mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> but on that note, thank you guys for listening. If you have questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, you can email us at... RagingRomantics at Noble.org. And on that note, Jen, what do we always say? Rage Happy Valentine's Day. Bye, guys! <laughs> testing okay is it beautiful it's beautiful is it perfect the okay. histogram is lovely I am gonna turn you up a little bit
0: thank and you my up. throat's better this time that's good my voice isn't as bad
1: that's nice I'm gonna try not because I have to listen to it
0: I know I'm gonna try not <laughs> to do the, the okay okay